Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Hello, John. Hey, Jim. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How about you? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, a recent listener to your show, and I found a few times I have listened in the last week or so very interesting. And I'm going to move to a retirement community, Sun City, Georgetown, and everyone there says I need a water softener. So I'd appreciate your input on what you can tell me about water softeners and what, what should I get. Well, I can absolutely tell you you're going to need one there. Uh, I used to live in San Antonio, and uh, you know the the water in that part of the state comes from the aquifer, and it's uh, extremely hard. So the brands to take a look at, Culligan set the standard. I mean, uh, I've had a Culligan system in the past. They worked; it worked very well. Right now, I have a Brita system in my house, uh, and it's doing extremely well also. So those are two brands that I've actually used and can recommend to you um but yeah definitely and don't don't put off getting one because the the mineral deposits are so heavy in the water in that part of the state that it'll start messing up your faucets and stuff from day one are these items or or brands you talk about are they salt type systems where you have a container with salt and you got to uh, regenerate it and put this new salt in periodically? Correct. Uh, and in that part of the country, you won't have a choice but to use a salt system. Even these companies who advertise uh, no salt in their systems, when it gets into a really hard water, they have to use a salt system as well. Mm-hmm. The no salt is, are- is only available in areas where the water's just not that bad. And these would be a system that you put in your garage then and hook to your existing water line? Well, you can put it in the garage or you can put it outside, but typically what you're going to do with it is capture the water line as it's coming into the house, reroute it through the softener, and then back to the inlet into the house. Okay. And Culligan and Brita. The yep. one I have seen is um, Pentair makes a system for flex system that I've just seen uh, googling it on on uh, on the internet. Yep, yeah, they they do. Um, I, I personally have not used one of their systems, so I can't say good, bad, or indifferent on it. Okay, well, I appreciate the information. Thank you. you. Bet. Take care, John, and and enjoy your new home. I've lived in my. 60-year-old house for 30 years now. Two years ago, I had to replace the cast iron sewer lines under the house. Ever since then, I've had a problem with mildew smell behind the bathtub. The plumbing inspection door in the closet beside the bathtub will actually have mildew growing on on it. Damp-ridden mildicide or bleach will hold the mildew at bay for a while, but it always comes back. Is there anything I can do that would be longer lasting or maybe even permanent to eliminate the mildew. I didn't have this problem till the sewer pipes were replaced. Well, typically, now and and understand I have a plumbing company both here in Dallas and in the Houston area uh and so I do a lot of this uh under slab plumbing replacement systems. 
because it goes hand in hand with foundation repair. Because like I said before, the moisture change in the soil causes a lot of foundation problems. Leaking sewer pipes, these old cast iron pipes, do a tremendous amount of sewer or uh, foundation damage. And so back in the, oh gosh, mid-80s, I got into doing plumbing repairs in order to solve these problems. Nonetheless, what happens is if you look under a bathtub or look at a house when a new house is being built, there's a 12-inch by 12-inch box that the pipe for the bathtub drain goes through. And when they dig underneath to replace all the pipes, the soil is no longer all the way up in that box. And so, you you know, soil tends to get moisture in it and give off that mildewy smell. And when it rains, because that soil is lower now where a tunnel was, it'll tend to get water in it and can start causing a little bit of mildew problems. A very simple fix is to get some of that spray foam, like the great stuff that comes in the red can, and fill in that 12 by 12 box. That seals you from getting moisture uh, odor from the soil underneath it and typically will solve that issue that you're having with the mildew getting on that door. It's, it's a real simple fix and doesn't cost hardly anything to do. Take a look at that and see if that doesn't fix your problem. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I'm calling because I, um, I've lived in my home for approximately six years, and I've always had this foul kind of a sewer smell that came from the bathtub. It seems to disappear when it's being used on a regular basis, but yep. um, as soon as it's not being used for a day or two, that smell comes right back. And I can't seem to get a consistent answer uh, for what, that, what the issue might be from any plumber that comes to the house. How old is the house? Uh, built in uh, 2009. Okay. Underneath the bathtub is a pea trap. And my my guess is, and they probably haven't checked this yet, is the pea trap has a hole in it. So when you f- run water, the pea trap holds water then that keeps the sewer gas smell from coming in the home. As it's sitting there, it's probably just got a little hole that is allowing water to escape it. Once it gets down to where the pea trap doesn't have water in it, the sewer gas is coming back in. Okay, so what's the best way to address this issue? Uh, usually it's just a matter of replacing the P-trap under the under the tub. Okay, now, how, something... how to get to it, I can't really... Do you have an access door on the backside of the tub? We do not. Okay, so either one will have to be cut or dig up to... If it's on an outside wall, dig up from outside in order to get to where the P-trap is. Uh, you know, if if, if uh, access door can be put in, that little 12-inch box that I was talking about earlier would give you the access to replace it. Let's head to Waco, Texas. Robert, how are you today? Excellent. How about you, sir? Man, I'm doing wonderful. All right. Good deal. Listen, I finally found me an air-conditioned uh, service people who I really have faith in. Okay. And, and they are soliciting me to install an I-Wave air purifier into my unit, 
which they claim reduces odor, allergens, and dust in the air. Yep. They want to install this thing for $687, and they can install a little better unit for $800, which is maintenance-free. Please give me your opinion. Well, if you're having issues with allergies and things like that, it's worth doing. If you're not having any issues, why spend the money? I have, when I bought this house 21 years ago, it has what I call toilet paper or newspaper for insulation. Yep. And I understand this stuff breaks down through the years, and it comes through as dust. And I'm wondering, is this my is this my fix for that? It will help, but it will not eliminate it. Okay. Uh, now, okay. if you want to really start looking at eliminating that, there's two things you can do. Uh, one would be to just plain have all that cellulose sucked out of there uh, and replace with fiberglass. The other is to remove all the air conditioning vents and caulk around the boot, you know, that comes through the sheetrock. Do the same with all the light fixtures and stuff, and you're sealing it to where that dust doesn't come in the home. I hear what you're saying, but my main question to you, this this I-Wave air purifier they work. is they not, not going to take care of that particular thing. No, it's completely. not. Nope. Okay. What do you th- what do you think about the price as far as your your knowledge of the prices go for it? Uh, actually, that sounds like a reasonable price. Jim, thank I, you so very much. You bet. You take care. Have a great weekend. Bye bye. Bye. JP, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? Doing wonderful. I had a question for you on a on a new build. We haven't even poured a slab yet. Um, it's going to be a metal building uh, with closed cell, you know, airtight, that kind of thing. And uh, I want to I want to add a, a fireplace or a stove. I'm not sure which to go with, with a minimal stone surround and enough to have a mantle and then just a, basically a flue that I can encapsulate in a, in a, a chase or what have you. Right. Uh, and I'm a, I don't know which one to go with. And some of my very close friends are saying I'm going to have problems with combustion with that airtight barn dominium. I don't know uh, if I could, Well, I I can guarantee you, you're going to have fresh air piped in because uh, when you do a a sealed up space like that, the air conditioner has to draw fresh air from outside. Uh, And honestly, I am not a fan of using the foam to seal completely like that. Normally, I would tell people use foam in the walls, fiberglass in the attic so the house can still breathe. And it avoids the problems like your friends are talking about. It also avoids sick home syndrome where you start getting mold and mildews because the humidity levels go too high. Uh, gotcha. In, in a barn dominium, though, I mean, you've got all the, the space in the world to put fiberglass in the walls and the attic. So my office is built that way, and I got fiberglass everywhere, and it, it's extremely energy efficient. Uh, so... But if you're going to do the foam, 
you will still be able to have the fireplace because, like I said, you're going to be drawing fresh air from the from the air conditioning system anyways. Okay. And we're going to have exposed ceilings with no attic, so there, there's why I'm doing the, yeah. the spray in. Um, of course, the rooms will have ceilings and somewhat of a chase for the AC vents and lines and such, but... Um, is is what I'm thinking in my mind possible as far as if we do a fireplace insert? I, I don't know that I have it in my budget to completely run a a brick chimney to the out the peak of this roof, which is right at 27 feet. Yeah. Peak. Well, you, you know, you need to. Uh, uh, what kind of look are you going to have inside? Is it going to be a rustic look or, or, or a modern finished look, or what are you doing? Um, I'm not real sure. It's whatever she wants. I think she'll probably be a little Man, that was the that was the best answer I've heard all day. Whatever she wants. I I believe it'll probably be a a slightly rustic modern uh, look. It's going to have a little bit of both. You know, for heating purposes, that's a stove, a standalone stove with just a pipe going all the way up is actually going to put out much better heat than a fireplace will. Uh, and it's going to be a lot less expensive to install. Okay. So if that if you can work that into the to the look, that's that's the way I would go. Well, I was looking at a few and there's some there's some new hybrid units that actually draw fresh air in through their through their yep. legs and create induction uh, and I think they actually look uh, amazing. They yeah. Could, probably go in any modern or rustic setting as far as i'm concerned but yep um is there is there any faux pas against uh some kind of a, a stone surround on a stove per no. day i mean if, if you got a mantle well if you're going to want a mantle then you you really do need to go with a fireplace because yeah okay. a, a stove just isn't going to look right with a mantle around it okay well maybe maybe i'll just do away with a mantle and not and, and forego that. I yeah, do something different. I, I like the more efficient. I want the heat. I don't want to just send it all up to the man. If you if you want the heat, then you you want to get a, a a standalone stove. You know, because that all that metal heats up and and puts the heat out, and they they're really efficient. In fact, if you want one that you can actually control temperature and all that stuff, they make them now where you get the pellets like you do yeah. would with some of these new grills. And uh, it can feed all night where you don't have to restock it. Uh, you can set the temperature where you want it, and it, it pretty much keeps it there. They're they're really nice, but now you're getting into more money. Right, right. I, I hate getting into more money. But okay. <laughs> I, I surely appreciate your time, sir. You bet. Take care. We're going to head to Possum Kingdom. And Stan, how can I help you? Uh, good afternoon, Jim. I have a place on Possum that... Uh, it was probably built in the late 70s, and I've got an electrician coming out. We're going to redo the electrical panel okay. because it's just so old, and I'm flipping breakers from now and every now and then. was talking to him about uh, a whole house uh, surge protector. Out here on Possum Kingdom, we get, especially after storms, the electricity goes off, and then when it comes back on, it's just a wham, you know, and I have it blowing capacitors on my air conditioner. Uh, so what's your thoughts on a whole house surge well, protector? You know, for the, the problem that you just described, the surge protector would take care of that. 
Uh, and for no more than they cost, it would be well worth doing, especially if you're having to replace capacitors very often. Uh, the other thing is, I know you get a lot of lightning storms out there, and it would protect you from that as well. Uh, a second part of that, we also talked about like a Generac... Uh, 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 generators, yeah. The generators. Do those have surge protectors built in? I, I mean, I don't want to buy a, a surge protector well, and then a, a have the same thing. It, it does, for the generator itself, have a surge protector, but that would not protect the house from the lines coming in. Because okay. the only the only time this, the uh, generator is going to kick in is when the power goes out then that's what's going to feed the electricity, and the other lines will get shut off, but they're not feeding through that same surge protector. Okay, okay. Well, we had I had told him to, uh, I wanted a surge protector for the whole house, so sure. I just wanted to, you know, get another opinion and, and, and see, but uh, I appreciate your input. Let's head to Austin, Texas. Pablo, how are you today? Hey, doing well, sir. Uh, just a quick question. Um, you know, we've got the popcorn ceiling in our home, and we're just wondering where that ranks as far as getting rid of it before selling the house. Oh, man, don't tell me that, because I got it in my house, too. <laughs> well, you know, I, you hear all these <laughs> negatives about popcorn ceiling these days. and <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, it, there's, there are people out there who, oh, my gosh, you got popcorn ceiling? How old? And I, I wouldn't yeah, want that. Yeah. And yeah, there's other people who don't care. Here's the here's the problem with taking it out. A lot of homes had popcorn ceiling for a reason. It hides a multitude of sins in the finish work on the sheetrock on the ceilings. Uh-huh. And like my house has the uh, rafters on 24 inch centers, and so I've got sags between the rafters up there in the sheetrock. So if I take the popcorn off, which I had done, I've got to do a massive load of floating in order to get the ceilings flat. Because when you use the uh, orange peel effect or any of the the newer stuff, it'll show every imperfection. Where the popcorn, it just hides it. Personally, I I went back with popcorn for that reason. Uh Uh-huh. I don't think you're going to have a nickel's difference in the resale. Uh, you may have a couple people who come in and say, yeah, I don't want the house because it has popcorn ceilings. Uh, very narrow-sided, but you know, right now right. it's truly a seller's market. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you listen on the radio and holy cow, the homes are going through the roof. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. I just wanted to double check because, again, you know, you hear people complain about it and I'm wondering, well, what the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know what? If that's the best thing they've got to complain about, they've got a great life. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you bet. Take it easy. Going to Sugar Land and Bruce, how can I help you? Hey, Jim. Uh, I got a question for you. I've got a uh, three car detached garage, it's about five years old. And the joists are essentially an eight-foot ceiling, and I want to make it a twelve-foot ceiling. So I got to so I got to add four more feet onto the walls because it's five years old. I don't really want to take the roof completely, the roof and joists and everything off completely, rebuild the garage. Is there any right. way of just lifting the roof up? Is that possible? It's possible, but uh, I would probably lift the bottom off 
In other words, uh, leave the the existing wall frame intact, unhook it from the floor, and pick the whole structure up and build a new pony wall underneath to set it on. Okay, that's a good idea. And then uh, what? Just just change just uh, and and retrim out the garage doors so they're because the garage doors are obviously standard eight foot garage doors, not twelve foot doors. Or right. Have to go to twelve foot doors. Uh, pers- you could you can trim it back down to have a standard eight foot or go to twelve foot. Either way. Okay, is that something? So the foundation stays in place. We just Correct. lift the whole. You lift the walls. Yep. Ron, how can I help you? Well, thank you. Uh, I have hardy board siding on my house, and I noticed that where it overlaps, there are gaps. And I was wondering, is it supposed to lay flat against the uh, the board below, or is the gap uh, not unusual? It's not unusual uh, on the lap siding that you'll have a little air gap there. Uh, and, you know, behind it is typically going to be plywood with, sheath, uh, with uh, like, Tyvek over it in order to uh, keep all the wind and stuff out. So, yeah, that's not, a, not an issue at all. Okay. And the last question I have sure. is uh, I don't have that Tyvek, but I have the, the green board with the black tape that they yep. use. Same. Yeah, and, that, that's just uh, fine. Yeah. Okay. And what I wanted to do is enclose my lanai. I've got three sides enclosed, just the back side. I want to put as much glass back there as possible using French doors. And then I don't want to be able to open the windows at all. Okay. And I didn't want to have to frame it in. Is there a special place to look for something like that? Uh, i got to be honest. I'm not sure where you – I mean, you'd have to just look at building supplies – I, w- I wouldn't waste my time with the box stores. You're going to be looking for a, a regular building supply store, uh, and yeah, they would have to order that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. And with that, and I'm going to have to let you go because I am completely out of time with that music. Brian, you doing all right today? Oh yes, sir. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at a uh, looking at installing a pocket door. Okay. I like the idea of them. Um, I, I've got a couple different locations I thought about. Uh, one of them was going to be a garage door. Uh, it's, it's, it's 32 by 80. Well, we open up the wall, find out it's load-bearing. So I don't think that's a good idea. Nope. <laughs> uh, and the other one is I have a king and queen bathroom. Uh, have you ever heard of that before? Yes. It, yeah, yeah. So uh, in between those two... It is a 24-inch door. Um, and and that actually is a very common sp- place to have a, a slider instead of a regular door. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, the, the the frame I bought, the pocket door kit I bought is 32 by 80. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so now it looks like I'm going to have to, uh, looks like I'm going to have to uh, uh, trim down the pocket door kit. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Ah, bummer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is it possible to make that door opening bigger? Because you're going to have to open it up and and be cutting into studs and stuff, anyways. Okay, that's that's an idea. I I do have a contractor coming by to take a look at it because I'm perplexed. <laughs> yeah. 
because keep in mind, you know, right now the studs are, are running on, uh, you know, between the two sides of sheetrock. When you go with a pocket door, the studs get rotated to where they're running along with the sheetrock, and the pocket door takes the other side where the stud was. And so okay. you, you're you're going to end up opening up the whole wall anyways. And so you could, if if there's space enough, you could open it up and make it a bigger doorway. Wow. When I when I look at the pocket door kit that I have, it doesn't have room for studs. It looks like you put a header in there. And that very and a lot of them are that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different. The, the studs are the studs are on the door kit itself. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Well, thanks for your advice, sir. I hope that hope that thing fits in there. <laughs> All right. Yep. Good luck with that. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.